Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Dr. Sharon Varney. She's a leadership and change consultant uh, and the author of this book, uh, Leadership and Complexity, uh, sorry, Leadership in Complexity and Change for a World in Constant uh, Motion. Sharon, welcome to the show. Oh, thank, thanks, Richard. Looking forward to our conversation today. Okay, so... I think for some listeners, they will have heard this word complexity. It's obviously a term in common parlance, um, but maybe will not appreciate that there's like an entire scientific field devoted to complexity, which is starting to wend its way into sort of management discourse. So I wonder if we should start with, for people who have not really heard the term in its technical usage before, by what we mean by complexity, like when you use it and when you're applying it to your work. Yeah, brilliant. And and, and I know you framed this conversation as imagine we're down the pub or in a cafe. So kind of, you know, for for, for us and everyone else, I think, you know, maybe that's the place that we should should, should think about. And it's, a, you know, a nice, easy question. What is complexity? No, not really. Um, but as as you know, I think you can't simplify complexity and that's actually what makes it complex rather than just being very complicated um but i think you know i can share some uh, useful principles with you and i know richard you you've, you've come across complexity before haven't you and you've had conversations with um lots of other people who who might have slightly different um takes on on complexity but where, where I always start is um, with this idea of it, it being dynamic. So complexity and change come as a package and there's lots of moving parts. And as, as, as you mentioned with my book, you know, the, the, the subtitle is for a world in, in constant motion. So this idea of complexity and change, you really can't um, disentangle them. I think that's absolutely um critical. And I, I think secondly, this idea of things being entangled as well. So lots of connections and interdependencies. So as one thing changes, it's likely to have ripple effects um, everywhere, really. And so okay. there's a few other things that come along with that. But I think those are the two, two things that are really helpful to keep in mind. So you change one thing and it changes makes a ripple effect everywhere else. Like there's something, you know, we might refer to as entanglement. That's like one aspect of it. Um, And then one one of the things I really liked in the book, and I have, I know that other complexity theorists have used this, but the way you described it in the book, I really really appreciated. And that was using the metaphor of a murmuration. Yeah. Right. So could you, so this is a, this is a flock of birds. So could you talk about like, could we use that as like the lens to explore what we mean by complexity, like going through the components of a murmuration and how yeah, that maps onto these ideas? Yeah, let, let's do that. Have, have you seen a murmuration in, in real life, Richard? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like this, well, it's spectacular, right? It, it twists and turns and you get this huge, huge flock and it can sometimes make the sky go dark if it's big enough. Yes. So. Uh, uh, absolutely. So, so you, you've got this thing called flocking, you know, it's thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, apparently up to a million starlings. And they're and they're flocking together before they they roost for 
for, for, for the evening. And they are adapting to one another, to the different, to the air currents, to the um, weather conditions, to the particular features of that landscape, to events such as a, I don't know, car backfiring or a, um, you know, a hawk appearing. And so you get these constant, and you know, I think commemoration is a great example. So I talk about dynamic patterning to try and bring this complexity and change together um, to, to life. And I think a murmuration is a great example of dynamic patterning that, that we can all imagine. And, um, you know, for anyone who hasn't, hasn't seen it in, in real life, uh, check, out, check out YouTube. There's loads of amazing um, videos on there. And you get this swooping, swirling interaction so flocking in um a, a starling murmuration and, and and you get some uncertainty about what the patterns are that are going to to emerge but they're not totally random you know they will be swooping swirling organic shaped um patterns but they're never exactly the same and i think it's a really useful analogy for um complexity and you know in the in the working world we might be doing something called working rather than flocking but once again you know we're interacting in kind of very very patterned ways but it's never exactly the same um all the time but never completely different yeah and then you talk about in the flock like imagine the starling is an an adaptive agent so, so what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, you know, that's that's a kind of one of the technical terms, but but you know, for for starlings, I'm sure they don't think of themselves as, as adaptive agents, and nor do we as as human beings. All it means is that we are um, capable of adapting. So, you know, you, you and I, we we we've arrived in this in this pub. We've kind of come from two busy, um, you know, stations as we went across the concourse to get to 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 our train we we were adapted adapting and responding to everybody else who was mm. who was involved in that environment and we were kind of you know jumping over the wheelie cases avoiding the um the the kiosk that somebody that somebody put there you know making our ways to 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 our train so we are adapting in the in in the moment and, you know, imagine the weirdness of, of having a planned route through a railway station. Right. I'm going to go here and then there and then there and then there. That absolutely would never work with it. We'd, we'd be colliding with one another constantly. And I'm sure we'd see a lot more starlings falling out of the sky than, uh, than is normal in a murmuration. <laughs> right. Right. So they're, they're making little micro adjustments to what else is going on in the flock. So they're constantly adapting, but the flock itself has this these characteristics um, that is somehow the sum of all of these these adaptive agents, um, yeah. right? And those and that is similar somehow to what we experience in the working life, or I guess in any any group of humans <laughs> yeah, operating yeah, together. I mean- yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, in the working world, every now and then we'll go, oh, yeah, I didn't didn't expect that to happen. But there's rarely something that's so completely random 
that we would never have expected it to happen. Okay, I didn't expect that person to say that exact thing in that way at that time, or I didn't expect that person to um, react in that way in that moment at that that time. But it's it's really beyond. Well, I couldn't have imagined that ever happening. I just wasn't expecting that to happen right right here and right right now. So I think. There, there is familiarity in the kinds of ways that we interact in the in in the working world. Right, right. Um, and then, so okay, so so thinking of the world in this way, which I guess for, for some people we might appreciate intuitively, right? Yeah, okay, we mm. kind of understand that, and that that makes some sense. But what you what drew you to this as a, as a scientific discipline to kind of really go deep into what do we mean by complexity in, 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 in the human realm? Like that's, that's, it's, it's interesting to me as to what, what caught your imagination with this and why did you decide to pursue it? Yeah, it's a very, it's a very good question. So, so, so there I was, I decided to study for a master's in people and org development and uh, I thought, you know, I need to know about, about this. I was working in the energy sector in offshore oil and gas. And so, you know, a, a, in a global organization and, and working on some kind of, you know, big projects. How can we um, integrate some um, international mergers and acquisitions that hadn't been working too, too well? And how could we um, create leadership for? for example, across one global group. So there I was, you know, just, just dealing with stuff that happens in the, in, in the working world. And uh, I came across complexity theory and I suddenly went, oh my goodness, it, it just said so much about how my world really worked. And I kind of, I think prior to that, I, I, was, I was a bit out of love with kind of academic models and theories because I thought well they never quite um actually describe the reality of 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 my world but complexity says nothing will ever quite describe the 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 reality it's actually the not quiteness that that is very characteristic of of complexity so kind of any any model or framework will will, will have its own limitations. So, so I think what really appealed to me was the very pragmatic nature of complexity. And then there was quite a big rabbit hole that I kind of, you know, <laughs> fell into to try and then, okay, so what is this thing called complexity science? You know, how does it apply in, in the working world? What does it mean for what we, what, what we do? And uh, yeah, that was a long journey. So that's kind of sort of the, the the next 15 16 17 years of that <laughs> right yeah and that's the that's somehow it seems the paradox with complexity theory is that the theory right can get very esoteric very quickly but it's it's rooted in it, in some ways it's it's application and where it comes from is a is a much more of a prag is a, sort of a much more of a pragmatic orientation right it's yeah. almost the flip of 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 often of the management terms where it, in theory, often it's very easy to comp- comp- comprehend the different model, the, the different models, yeah. but then they can very, become very unpractical very quickly. Right? Exactly. It's a flip, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. Do, do you know where I've ended up on this is, uh, you know, actually complexity science describes how the world works. And, you know, as adult human beings, we've been fairly successful in, mm. you know, dealing with this world all, all our lives. So we understand, we know, we recognize complexity. It is just life. It is just work. It's when we try and then then kind of describe it and, you know, sort of get underneath it. That that's when, you know, I think the the very esoteric terminology comes in. And it's partly because it pulls on so many different uh, sciences. So, yeah, if you're a physicist, there'll be, you know, sort of physics roots, there's chemistry roots, there's biology, economics, computer sciences um, and, you know, sociology. And they're all brought together, which makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, for Mm. something where, you know, we're saying the world is entangled. Well, funnily enough, all these different scientific perspectives perhaps have a different um, take on complexity. Could we bring them together and make a little bit more more sense of, of, of the world? But my view is, you know, the world really is complex and that's why at some level it's it's easy to to grasp that it is yeah and and maybe the reason that they all all have something to say about it is because they're all at the effect of it right whatever whatever the phenomena are that we're studying we're always going to come across entanglement yeah predictability and unpredictability patterning emergence right all of these are going to exist in in all fields of human study. So it's, well, exactly. it's not surprising that they've all come up with a point of view on, the, on this. These, it's not, these is things. it? You know, suddenly mm. I, I kind of, I think I thought, oh, you know, similar to you. Well, why does everybody, you know, why do all these perspectives have a view? Because, you know, if we really are in a, in a complex and changing uh, world, we're just looking at it through different lenses. Physics yeah. is a lens, you know, and uh, sociology is a, a lens and you know sometimes they're kind of big lenses like that or there might be sort of smaller smaller theories but we're trying to understand this big entangled how does the world really work yeah yeah and did you i wonder how you're so so you came to this right you thought oh, this is interesting i'd love to study more it seems very practical i want to understand it I don't know if you had a similar reaction to me, but did you ever get to a point, which is where I got with complexity, which is like, oh, you know, it's all, you know, if we really take this on, then like, what's the point of lifting a finger? Like, what's the point of doing anything? Because, you know, how can I, how can I do anything that's going to have any level of predictable outcome at all, given I I comprehend all of this? Did you ever have moments like that or a moment (laughs) like that? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And, you know, I, I think that is the challenge, isn't it? And so some people who sort of study and talk and write about complexity kind of make the suggestion that you've got to reject everything that you know already. And I think that that's tough. And I'm not sure whether that's actually necessary. Do Do we have to kind of go, okay, you know, because we don't know everything, we know nothing. And I'm not sure that's actually the, the, the case. So I absolutely 
have and do feel um, as you as you just dis- described, because as soon as you recognise everything's connected, it can very easily, you know, just be immobilising. You know, how do I think about things? How do I do anything? You know, what what do I do? I can never, I can never be certain how that's going to play out, and you know that is the reality. And I think that's that's why a lot of the time. Some of the things that are sold as very scientific management techniques because they're much more simple. They do make us feel better, but you know they don't, don't really address um, the the important issues. They just make us feel slightly slightly less terrified about the um, the, the the world. And I think I've I've kind you know sort of been. I want to make sense of the world. How is complexity going to going to do that? To oh. You can't make any sense of the world. And now I think, well, hang on, you know, that's not really the case, is it? It's not saying there's nothing we can know or there's nothing to know about. It's just saying that's that's imperfect. It's incomplete. It's changing. Um, but I, I really like, um, you know, what Ralph Stacey says about emergence, that it's not, it's not um, any special force. It just comes from what everybody's saying and doing including what we don't say and don't and don't do and I think that makes it perhaps a little bit more um hopefully a little bit less less scary and 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 what I talk about in in my book is just could we be a bit less scared of complexity and let a little bit more in open up a mental aperture a little bit more and just accept a little bit more of the not quietness of the of of the world the fact that the world doesn't fit into any any academic model or any of our conceptual um models it will always be a you know some will be better fits than others some will will kind of fit more of the data than 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 others but it'll never be perfectly right and i think actually we probably know that as hum- adult humans don't we yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's accepting the not quiteness. And I love that image in the book, the imagery is the first time I've seen it of the, of the, of a mental aperture of allowing in more complexity and just allowing us <laughs> to accept greater degrees of uncertainty, I suppose. Um, and then, so, okay. So if we know that the models aren't accurate um, and that, and that nothing, nothing, literally nothing that we know is going to be the perfect fit in terms mm. of a way of understanding our, our present reality. So it does then, of course, beg the question, so what, how do we orientate ourselves, given all of that? Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of that is about, is about learning. So, you know, one of the things that, that, that I talk about in the book is, you know, let's not just sort of jump to conclusions and leap into action. So, you know, when we see something that looks looks familiar, we say, oh, okay, I've seen that before. I know what I need to do. And we kind of, you know, just 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 kind of keep turning the um the 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 wheel. And you know, I think change programs in organizations have kind of gone down that, oh, this isn't working. Let's change it. This isn't working. Let's change it. This isn't working. Let's change it. Hang on. Are all these change programs actually working, or do we need to change our, our relationship with with change? For 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 example, so so I think there is 
some something about not just jumping into in 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 into action and trying to really learn so what is changing what is you know in the patterning that we're that that we're in so you know i i concentrate on the working world and you know in the working world which of course is connected to everything outside the working world it's just a convenience to talk about the the the, the working world but you know what's new what's different what's surprising what's puzzling what what's what's unexpected so you know how can i understand and even better we understand a little bit more about what's changing in the in in the here and now so you know as as we are down the pub you know what's changing in your world or, and what's changing in in your world and you know perhaps that that will give us a little bit more of a sense of how some of these patterns are 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 changing and i think you know sometimes that 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 matters because at what point do we start to to notice something so i was thinking about this thing oh yeah you know, your so, iphone so, people yeah, listening you're having you know, your, well, well, whatever iPhone, it is, smartphone yeah the machine of everything at what point did that become the machine of everything it didn't used to be the machine of everything but now it really yeah. is the machine of everything and not just for me but for most people and you know what's the implications of that device being the machine of everything how are we <laughs> changing how we work in relation to 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 that having emerged from our our interactions so you know it wouldn't that be interesting to 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 be able to sort of catch that as it's as it's emerging i mean now this is the machine of everything right where's it going next i mm. don't know yeah yeah so well you talk in the book about i i like that term cult of change and so yeah i can see the the perspective there especially when working on organi- working with organizations is instead of asking the question what shall we change <laughs> like what is changing <laughs> to stop to stop and notice but how do you find that like playing that into organizations like how do you persuade people like what's the benefit to just stopping and noticing and checking in and tuning in like do you find that can be quite a hard sell um do you know it's a lot easier than it ever was i think um i think what hap- what's happened over the last two years with the 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 pandemic is there has been an experience that's been so widespread and such a sort of rapid onset that suddenly you know people are willing willing to to recognize that that wasn't that that wasn't the result of any plan so not not the pandemic itself but but really the 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 response from knowledge workers around the world suddenly okay work from not an office so wherever you are and adapt to um you know if you if you've got a dining table maybe that's a desk if you've got an ironing board maybe that's a that's a desk and you know that's happening everywhere at the same time there was no there's no blueprint for that that absolutely emerged and you know we used different technologies that were 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 available and we were all kind of you know the the patterns of 
working life changed really, really quickly. And I think it's, it's almost like, um, you know, if you watch The Matrix and you suddenly go, this is how the world really works. Um, you know, as a result of this, it, pe- people are ready to say, okay, this is how the world really, really works. So I think, I think there's a lot more recognition of it um, than there has been before. And also during that time, so I've been doing a lot of work with, um, in healthcare and, you know, that's people working in the, in the health service in the UK have been under enormous um, pressure and, and actually they've been very quick to realize, actually, I need to, need to slow down my thinking from time to time. There is so much going on here. How can I sort of pause and notice what is changing in in the here and now? So, so they've been able to use some of the ideas that I talk about in 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 the book, and in fact, it's it's their use of the ideas. It's also what's what's informed the the, the book because it's been back in back into into practice. So, how do I slow down what I'm doing to make sense of of, of that? So, you know, pediatric consultant for 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 example has you know works in this very dynamic and changing environment so you know what does success look like and you know what does um you know really excellent pediatric care look like and that is that is changing so it's it, it's both and it's not it's not something that needs to replace everything that you ever thought you knew. It's just perhaps embracing a little bit more complexity, embracing a bit more doubt. Doubt's a great thing um, and invites, invites questions. And you know, perhaps we can learn and have some, some different options. Perhaps we can adapt in that changing world. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess those two ideas correlate back, back to your idea of the aperture because I can't be both running to change something and simultaneously changing my aperture. It's sort of natural for me to think, okay, if I'm going to allow myself to be aware and acknowledge doubts, a greater deal of complexity, it's going to make sense for me to, to slow down a bit and pause to take that in. Yeah. And then, and, and so I suppose those two ideas work together. And, and so you've said you've, you've noticed people, you know, experiencing benefits from this. And what, but what do you tend, what do you tend to, to use as the counter narrative, right? If, if, if the normal way to do things is to, you know, to analyze a situation with a given like best practice or model and come up with an action plan, and that's going to achieve certain results. Like how, what, what's your counter narrative to that? Cause I can imagine, well, it's partly me and I'm sure there may be listeners who'd be like, yeah, this is all great, but like, how do I sell it <laughs> to my, you yeah. know, to my organization or my client? Just, just open it up and do a little bit more. I'm, just, I'm not against analysis mm. at all. It's just, you know, when the, these kinds of analyses that you're talking about tend to be, um, you know, based on past data, don't mm. they? So we've collected, you know, we've said, right, this is what we're going to look for. And then we go and collect it. Quite often we count it. We then display it and go, hey, hey, this is what it is. Although, it, by the way, it's changed since you, you, you got that data and it was never quite that anyway. And the little differences 
um, can make a very big difference in this world that's in 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 motion. So um, it, it's definitely a both and um, approach. So I tend to say, so what is the small qualitative human scale data that's freely available in the here and now? You know, what's coming up there? How can you how can you notice that, and how can you start to make some of that count as well, so that you can you can see things. You're you're more likely to catch things changing. It's not it's you know it's not guaranteed ever. But if you're not looking for it, you're less likely to. I think if 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 we're looking out for so what's changing in the here and now, what's new, what's different, what's surprising, what's puzzling, what's unexpected, we're opening our minds. I think potentially increasing our chances. There's no guarantees. But that kind of closed mind, I'm never going to look. <laughs> that, that's when I think we, we sometimes can miss the, the, the obvious. And it comes mm. back and goes, I don't know why I didn't see that coming. It was because I was looking that way and it was, it was back there maybe. Right. And yeah, and you mentioned in the book the idea of, of, of weak signals, right? And so it's by working on, and I love the other term you use, small data, which you just alluded to, right? Like getting a, a small, high-quality qualitative yeah. yeah data set if you like and that by focusing in that way we will ask much to pick up on the on the weakest signals that can very mm. often like trip up big initiatives and then also gives you something to work with right oh well, if i could if i could take that yeah. and maybe amplify it or yeah so it's this well again it's back to kind of slowing down paying more attention yeah, absolutely. And I suppose maybe it was the it was the data that that really did appeal to the, um, you know, so the my, my NHS colleagues and and clients because they're, they're they're very good at using scientific data, but it's 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 a a set of scientific data. Mm. It wasn't everything, so they they got really good at actually um, picking up and using other other types of data, mm. and uh, you know. Then suddenly it starts to to make sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, now towards the end of the book, you, get, you talk about leadership and you talk about the self, right? The self as a tool in all of this. And how do you? So, I guess what have you changed about yourself <laughs> as a tool that's enabled you to work more effectively, you know, in complexity? Yeah, I, th- I think part of it is just coping. You know actually really recognizing that anxiety of, of 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 not being in in control when you've got something to deliver mm. when you're accountable when you absolutely want it to, to to go well um or you're responsible for 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 something so kind of just recognizing that 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 anxiety for myself and for others because a lot of the work that I do is is working with other 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 groups and individuals mm. and saying, yeah, it is normal to, to feel like this. Um, and it is, it is okay. There actually is no, no certainty, but that doesn't mean to say there's nothing. <laughs> so it's definitely between everything and nothing. <laughs> I'm not, 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 not there. And kind of, you know, just, just constantly saying, so how could I open up a little bit more and accept a little bit more of the 
of, of the complexity of the of 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 the world. And I suppose this this inner and outer outer thing, when I started thinking about, well, if everything is entangled, of course, you know, our our inner self is also part of the the outside world. And you know, my day job is organization development. And we've got this 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 term uh, the Mei Yang Chen judge um, has done a lot of work around, which is use of self, which is being a bit more conscious about our inner selves and how that shows up in the in the outside world. And again, I think it it's trying to sort of make some choices about um, you know how do, how do I show up here? And for example, if I'm kind of feeling nervous in in the pit of my stomach. How is that affecting what's happening in in this group? And is it sometimes helpful to voice that in 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 a in a group? So you know, I think there's these different there's these dynamics that are, are are going on in complexity at all different levels of of scale. So when I talk about the world, that just kind of says everything's everything's entangled, uh, potentially entangled. In, in in some way um, and actually thinking about our inner world it's, uh, uh, itself can be helpful and, and maybe we can we can be more effective in in complexity if we do a little bit of inner work you know how, how do I feel about this and uh, how can I cope with a little bit more complexity and uh, do I have to go from I know everything to I know nothing or are there other other places I can land and you know how could I expand that that repertoire of of places that I can comfortably land right and and so for you that inner work has been asking these questions like can can, can I take on a bit more can I acknowledge my anxiety can I voice <laughs> is is that right is, is there are there particular techniques that, or that, that have helped you or you know I think I think this is it's massive in leadership because you know if you've got a position of of, of authority, there's everybody. You know you're expecting yourself to um, be on top of things. You're expecting to you know, and other people are looking at you. Come on, <laughs> what should we do? I mean, particularly in uncertainty, where everybody's feeling terrified. No, you're in charge. Tell us, tell us, tell us what to do. And it's 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 not about having nothing to say. It it really is about just recognizing that how that feels as a as as a human and i think some of that can can just help us in leadership because if we really want to learn what's changing and what are the dynamic patterns and how can we um perhaps grasp emerging opportunities that weren't weren't there before or kind of recognize issues and and, and perhaps try and head them off in that patterning a little bit, a little bit sooner. We we've got to stay open to experiencing um, mm. some so, some of that, and I think it, it comes up over and over again in leadership. One of the things I do that, that often actually just just makes helps a lot is saying this is okay. This yeah. is okay to feel like this. This is normal. Of course, we feel like this, and sometimes complexity is too much and we kind of you know want want to 
to grasp onto something. But, you know, when we're grasping onto it, remember that's never everything. And so the bits that we're not, we're not uh, grasping onto, we also need to, to, to be interested in. Right, right. And, and, and one, one particular tool which alludes to what you're speaking to is, is something that came up towards the end of the book. It was somebody else you were quoting who, who starts all his meetings well, asking people to write down their hopes and fears, but start with your fears. Is that yeah. talking to this point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great way to get people to to, to open up, and and also, you know, to the to the title of of, of you know this podcast being human. It, I think it it makes it okay that we can be human in a particular situation. So so it does a lot. On, on setting the ground, mm. you know, are we gonna are we gonna hide things or are we gonna be a bit open about things? You know, when we meet as a group for the first time, we're kind of you know testing one another out. You know, do I trust these people? Um, you know, how do I want to be to be seen? You know, so so all of that starts to get probably some of the human complexity out. Yeah, and I think that's good. Yeah, and I'm also just noticing the way you're framing this. It's you're, you're using like the term a bit, a bit of this, like open a bit, and that actually talks to one of your themes, right? This incrementalism. Like you're not saying we should start every meeting uh, with everyone, you know, explicitly sharing exactly how they feel, right? Like it's like this is is that part of the philosophy here? It's just like bit by bit. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really good question. It's just. Is it incremental? I don't know. I don't know. It's just if we if we reject everything for complexity, we're taking on a you know basically we don't know anything, mm. and you know it it can be really really hard. So going back to the very pragmatic question about how can we use this, and I think you said how can mm. I how how can we sell this is you know it both and it's it, it's not about we never plan anything for for example I mean, some, some people would like to think that because they were never fans of planning anyway they go great don't need any plans let's just jump right jump right in and that's not necessarily better that's just a different approach mm. that you're choosing in the in in the patterning so your your you know your big planned change initiatives are part of the patterning as much as I'll tell you what, we'll do it from a sort of seat of the pants um, way. So we do have choices in there. And I think it's just understanding a little bit more about, well, what, what choices are we making? And we'll never have perfect view. But, but if we can kind of learn a little bit more, open our minds a, a little bit more, recognize that the world is always more complex than we'll ever get on top of and it's always changing more quickly so we could never get on 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 top of it anyway then i think we can can start to say so what can we do in this uncertainty and how can we make some how how do we make choices you know that i think i think that really is a a key part of leadership really how do we make the choices mm. yeah 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 but not and it and not necess- so I guess you're saying not necessarily incremental. Like it, you might 
yeah. not not necessarily incremental um kind of you know loops works a lot so you know try something test it out but yeah the, the science doesn't necessarily work incrementally sometimes mm. you you just flip to something and it it's not necessarily giving you you know it's that tipping point idea right you know it's not an avalanche till it is an avalanche right the yeah. conditions the conditions were there but only at the point that becomes an avalanche has it is it yeah. an avalanche yeah but that comes back to i get noticing because i'm just trying to sort of real-time process like i think the way that you've articulated some of these ideas is that so we could notice that people are making big plans we could notice that some people are very averse to making big plans we could notice that all of that is happening without making a judgment like because i'm just playing with my own playing with my own biases here like i would always side with the, the people not making the big plans right who would just want to be diving in and, and potentially taking radical action and and I can, I, can, I can see the challenge in my own mind of being in such a scenario of, of needing to just kind of s- step back a little bit, you know, suspend. You talk about that in terms of dialogue, right? S- suspend my judgment, voice that, oh, okay, I, I can see that there are some people who feel it's valuable to make a plan here and there are others who don't. And, and then based on that, like almost like sensing for is – is it something incremental that might make more sense to do here or is it something more radical? And, but that's, I can imagine that takes quite a lot of discipline in mind, does it? Yeah, I think, I think it does. I think it does. Uh, you know, if you're looking for easy answers, complexity probably not going to be where you, where you look, but you know, also this is the world, isn't it? Um, you know, if you, if you, if you agree that the, the world really is complex and, and changing because we're interdependent, for for example, then somehow or some way we need to start to sort of grasp onto to, to some of these these ideas in order to, to to change things. So I would be looking, you talked about noticing, is it is it all sort of big plans or seat seat of the pants. And I, I'd, I'd say, you know, in in organizations where change is always, always, always kind of, you know, this these big programmed events, look out for where it's not. Where is that not the case? Where where is changing happening outside of those the, those programs? What's going on there? Who who's doing it? And you know, what's what's actually happening and are there slightly different patterns in the kind of informal part of the organization so everyone says oh change happens through these big formal um programs and you know those that army of um very expensive uh change consultants that we we've brought in or is are, are you sort of you know looking for where changing's already happening in that space, how is that slightly different? Could you, I think you use the term amplify that, you know, could, could we catch people doing something right and say, okay, what's going on here? And what's enabling that in this situation? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very different 
which is a very different orientation, isn't it? Because it's, it, it means that I'm not going, let's say I'm a change sort of professional. I'm not going in with my idea of what should change, my model, my plan. I'm starting with noticing, just tuning in and noticing. Yeah, and, and helping other people to, to do that. So, you know, thinking about changing as a process, how's that going? And, mm. you know, what's actually changing already? And how is the, you know, the programmed change that you're, you're, you're looking at playing into that? Um, you know, there's a lot of changes that you, that need planning. I mean, you know, if you a, a, a new building or, you know, when it's in offshore oil and gas, you know, a new, a new vessel, you've got to plan that sort of thing. That, that doesn't just that doesn't just happen. So I'm not against planning, you know, plan things that, that, that can be planned to recognize that there's a lot that can't be, can't be planned. And that's where the, the, the noticing is coming in at, at the edges or outside of your own project. You know, that's, that's a great way to put blinkers on and really not notice what's changing, be purely in your own project your own deliverables, your milestones, you're so focused, you've seen nothing that's, that's changing. And so those, those kinds of things, I think, are maybe slightly less threatening. Okay, great, that's happening in your program. What's happening elsewhere? Is there anything else going on? Funny you should ask that. There is. And what are people kind of grumbling about over there? Well, that's an interesting one. Yeah, they're talking about, about this kind of thing. So it's, it's a way of bringing in that, that data to inform some of the decision-making. Yeah. And then presumably that requires a, a, an art almost of, of knowing, okay, well, I kind of necessarily have to assume that all this complexity doesn't exist in order to, to get something done in this area. And I guess that's why we have the idea of scope of a, of a project or a particular set of actions. Yeah. It's a both I, and, I, right? So I've got to do that. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, what, how do I, where do I scan around as well? I, I think excuse, assume complexity <clears throat> does exist. Yeah. Like, like that I get, but I'm just, I'm just asking, is there an, so complexity exists and is there a, so I, I guess, and is there a need to, somehow yeah to, i suppose to focus okay so maybe i'm asking a different question what do we mean by focus in the context of complexity so what focus does is it says some things are important and other things are not important basically okay. basically scope does the, the same it's a way of, of focusing what's in or what's out of focus what's in or what's out of of scope now if you're in a world that doesn't change maybe that's okay. And, you know, maybe you had enough information ahead of time to make a really perfect decision on what's in or out of scope or what's in or out of, of, of focus. But that's not really the case. We're always working with imperfect information and it's changing mm. anyway. So I would say if you're on a program, for example, and you're looking at what's in scope, Put some, put some time into your project plan to say, what's going on outside of this scope? What else is happening? 
stick it in your diary, put it in the project plan, get a bunch of people involved. It's like, what are we missing here? What's changing? What what should we be um, paying attention to? So it's not saying we don't have any scope and we don't have any any focus, but it is recognizing that scope and focus is meaning that we are missing things. So we're yeah. putting in some time to deliberately say, okay, so it's what are we missing? What else is going on? And getting different voices into, yeah. into that. Yeah. And I think that framing of thinking of it in terms of important and what's not maybe useful in that scenario, because you might say, well, our scope in some ways represents what's important. Now we've done that scanning. Now, does that change what's important to us given that? And we might say, well, no, we still understand that this is in this, we still think this is the important thing to be following given our now slightly increased understanding of the complexity. Um, but it's, okay. it's now useful. That's okay. to, yeah, that's okay. And it's now useful for us to understand how we might be impacting others and how yeah, they might yeah. be impacting us. So, so there's something, there was a, something I put in one of the chapters called a complexity response generator. Okay. And the idea is to kind of um, think of more different responses. So do nothing would be one of nine responses in that complexity response generator. And I would say, if you're choosing do nothing actively, that might be better than choosing it because you didn't think of anything else or you didn't look outside. So, you know, it, it, it really is about that, that kind of learning and what is changing and, you know, how do we want need to adapt? How, you know, what are the opportunities here to do it differently? You know, yeah. maybe there's something great's come up that wasn't there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, again, I think this again marries. You see, I find that a lot of these ideas kind of cluster and self-reinforce because you also, which I love this term of agilitis, right? Like this idea that we we become so good at being agile and just responding to all these changes that that yeah. in itself becomes like our our focus is is yeah. on being agile as opposed to perhaps what we're talking about here is like taking a a slower view um staying constant in terms of what's important to us but always sort of scanning around the edges yeah so in a very kind of agile uh, frenetic um energetic world take take 10 minutes slow down your thinking. So what's new, what's different, what's surprising, what's puzzling, what's unexpected. Um, actually, when I introduce these ideas, I give people two minutes, sometimes three, if I'm being really generous, and you know, invite them to come up with lots of ideas in those, th th those minutes. So people think slowing down thinking requires huge amounts of time. It doesn't. It, it requires dedicated bracketed time in the in the doing to to notice and, and and notice what's changing and perhaps you know ask others what's happening this is not a massively doesn't have to be a massively time consuming um activity it just needs to be part of how we're how we're working and you know, conversely, in a very analytical environment where kind of, you know, it's all about analyzing and planning, that also is part of the pattern, you know, who's doing what? And, and maybe the, the decision is, well, jump in, try something. Let's mm. learn from, from action here. 
So it might be, you know, it's just to, to open up our range of, of responses um, yeah. in, in that complex world. Yeah. Yeah. And allowing for the wisdom to emerge. Right. Is that right? Yeah, it might be wisdom or it might later turn out, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't the But, you know, perhaps it was the best thing we could do at that, at that point. We did at least try and find out a little bit more about what was going on. It, it, it is hard. We can't be perfect in, 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 in this world. And I think that's something that we just, we, we, can, we can try, we can learn, we can try and use different kinds of, of data. Um, but there's no guarantees. Right. Right. Yeah. It's but, a but there pragmatist. Right. Yeah, but there are also no guarantees in all those models that come with guarantees. I mean, they're just, that's snake oil too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Of course. It's, well, it's back to this. Yeah. The pragmatist. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, like even in my own thought process there, I'm like, oh, yeah, but if we do this, then we can be wise. And then we'll know we've done a good decision because we've made a wise one. But like, even yeah. that's not true, right? It's, well, not even that's not true, but that's not true. It's, uh, but we can hope to make potentially a better choice, which is, which is closer to reality. It's something about making a context-specific choice. And, you know, yeah. maybe that's what's, what's better about it. And mm. kind of then learning how that context is is changing, rather than saying, "Okay, you know, these are the right choices. Let's put them in here." Mm. It it sometimes about very sort of local decision making. Yeah, and a, and a, and a commitment to keep checking in on context. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes um, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm just um, I'm looking at my mind map here and seeing if there's anything I've missed. That um, I, I, one other thing I wanted to touch on, which we should, which we talked briefly before the show, is like if if it's all complex and it's all you know it's all context specific, it may be difficult for us to come up with a with a should right. It's, it's difficult for us to come up with a, like an ethical stance right because. Yep. Right, we're, we're acknowledging that every, the situation we're in is is changing, um, and and one context is is not the same as the next. So, how do we develop a an ethical stance in in that situation? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? And I've I've become more interested in in ethics and how how can we choose? Because if we lo- lose the linear. If this, then that connection between cause and effect. On, on what basis do do we act? Mm. So it actually, for me, becomes more interesting. And you know, does anything go? Well, no, it doesn't because emergency is happening through everything that everybody's saying and and doing. And sometimes, you know, a chance comment, particularly from someone who's got a lot of influence or or power can have massive effects so anything does anything go not 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 really and i think ethics is about perhaps choosing our actions based on something rather than nothing and if we can make some choices about about that it gives us as individuals a chance to kind of 
hold our own choices up to scrutiny and learn learn from that it gives us a, a, an opportunity to kind of share the basis of the choices that we're making with one another so rather than go well that's a good idea no that's a terrible idea that's a really good idea no that's a terrible idea we could kind of you know start to, to to work out where we're where we're coming from so I think it does give us something to perhaps use in 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 making some choices about how we respond in the world yeah it's a, so it's about being explicit yeah about the basis that we're coming to a particular judgment or view of what should yeah, be done. Or at yeah. least trying to, you know, if we're, if we're trying to exercise judgment, then there probably does need to be some judging and, you know, so judging what's good <laughs> may not be right, but without any judging, what are we really doing? Yeah. Yeah, I get well. Uh, voicing, right? This is this this principle. Yeah, vo- voicing yeah. what's inside and making that explicit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, T- like tough it. question to end on, but <laughs> thanks for that one, Richard. <laughs> yeah, well, it's. A, I think it's an important one because it's um, because it's just an obvious. It's a kind of an obvious problem for people. You know, conf- well, at least it was an obvious problem for me being confronted with these ideas. <laughs> so it just yeah 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 and well, i like the way you address it in the in the book good 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 well i i guess this there could certainly be a part two it's such a big subject that you know it's very hard to kind of to to cover all of all of complexity in one one conversation but hopefully this is this our conversation will be interesting for other people too so i've really enjoyed it good and um, yeah, again, for those who, who want to, I mean, this is what I have to say about, you know, I've read, I don't know, like four or five complexity books now. This is the one that lays it out the most clearly in terms of the basic ideas um, and, and relates it to the working world. So I, I really think that this, um, especially for people who are just getting into it, Right, who are just getting, who've just got curious about complexity, this could be an absolutely wonderful place to start um, leadership in complexity and change for a world in constant motion. Um, yeah, so we'll put a link to that in in the show description. Is there anything else you'd like to to share as as we close out? No, that's that that's amazing, and I, I'm, I'm I'm glad that that's the case because I've I've worked hard to kind of make some of these ideas a bit more accessible so that we can choose how to how to use them in our worlds so thank Brilliant. you well I, I certainly think notebooks achieved that so yeah okay wonderful well thanks again this has been great wonderful thank you thank Richard. You. all right the being human podcast was brought to you by first human for more on first humans human focused coaching and leadership programs head to first dot com